On today's show, the Hawks go to Orlando and lose in agonizing fashion on this Sunday evening in overtime. Such an all of what transpired in this game, the big picture, what was maddening about this result compared to others, and much more. And all of that is on the way. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1626 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Sunday evening into Monday. And today's podcast is brought to you by the folks at Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use promo code Locked On for $20 off your first purchase with Game Time. Also, at the top of the podcast, I would encourage you to make us your first listen each and every day. Check us out and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts, places like Apple and Spotify on the audio side, as well as YouTube on the video side. And today's show will center on what became a maddening loss for the Hawks. A familiar refrain to Hawks fans this year, they fall to 14-21 and 21 on the season after their second straight loss. They lose this one in overtime, 117 to 110. Um, of course, you, if you remember, the first meeting between the Hawks and the Magic was a very, very close game. Honestly, one of the rare times this year the Hawks actually won a close game. They stole that one by one point in Mexico City against the Magic. In this game, they started out very poorly, down 14 at the outset. They led by as many as nine, actually, after that, as they sort of, as they sort of recovered pretty beautifully, honestly, in this game. And then they were, down, they were actually down, down by six points in the final two minutes of regulation. Came back in impressive fashion to force overtime that in overtime simply could not score. And that ended up leading to what became a seven-point loss. So uh, this is a game that, like many others for the Hawks this year, was frustrating or agonizing or maddening, however you want to say that. Uh, in a lot of ways, it was a different story. In a lot of ways, it was the same story for this Hawks team. Uh, but the end result, of course, was a loss. And the Hawks actually were favored in this game. Because of injuries for Orlando, uh, the Magic did not have Franz Wagner, who's their second best player. They did not have Wendell Carr Jr., arguably their top three or four player on their roster. Um, and the Hawks are still shorthanded without DeAndre Hunter, but Atlanta was favored by, fan, according to our friends at FanDuel, by about two points. Obviously, did not, did not cover, and their ATS record against the spread record this year is really bad. Um, but anyway, the headline story in this game, and this is what I'm talking about what, what being a little bit different than a lot of games this year for the Hawks, it was the offense. This was an offensive failure for the Hawks. I repeat, this is an offensive team that's very, very good on the whole. The numbers are great this year, etc. In this game, it was an offensive failure that was the big story for me. In the game, about a 104 offensive rating that would put them at the bottom of the league in a big picture sense. After halftime, they had a 90.9 offensive rating in the second half and overtime combined. That is really, really, really bad for any team. That'd be bad for the Pistons. That'd be bad for the Spurs. Uh, name a team, that'd be bad for anybody. And yes, Orlando's good defensively. They are. It's a top five-ish defense in the league this year, although they've cooled off recently. But you cannot score that at that level for the Hawks, especially with this personnel, this scheme, this roster building. This is an offensive first team. And to go out and do that, um, that's going to get you beat most of the time if you are the Hawks. So we'll drill down now on the offense. You know They were okay, but league average from two-point range in this game, 54% in this contest, 9 of 30 from three. Actually, less attempts than you would expect from this Hawks team, below average for them. But 30% from three is not like totally dire, but not good, obviously. Uh, three of nine from the corners is very low in terms of volume and accuracy. And one of the killers in this game actually was an, a totally unforced error. And that was at the free throw line, where the Hawks actually have been awesome this year. They came into the night number three in the NBA in free throw accuracy this year, shooting 83% as a team. 83% is an excellent, excellent figure in this game. They were 17 of 29, 58.6%. 
So do the math on that. Obviously, you shouldn't expect to make, to make all your free throws. But if they shot their normal percentage in this game, they would have shot about 24 for 29. That's seven points they lost at the free throw line. Again, you can't just do the simple math there all the time, but that's that's one where it's totally unforced. Nobody's stopping you at the free throw line. They got there a, a, a decent amount. And yes, the centers, Capella and Kongwu, combined to go 0 for 4. They're both 0 for 2 each. That's going to happen sometimes. But DeJounte and Trey combined to miss seven free throws in this game. They shot 13 of 20 combined. That's a killer. And obviously, there's stuff beyond that, but that was uh, an unforced error. And Quinn talks about that a lot post game. Worth noting, and yeah, that's part of the equation. It wasn't the whole thing by any means, but it certainly was maddening, especially later on in this game. The Hawks did a pretty good job, actually, in ball security. I guess the Magic team that's actually elite at turning the ball over on defense. They are very aggressive, very ball-hawking. And the Hawks only had 13 turnovers in this game. That's a pretty good number against anyone. Um, but they did, when they did turn it over, they gave up 17 points off turnovers, which is actually a pretty decent amount. So it was pretty damaging when they, when they actually did turn it over. But still, 21 assists is very low for the Hawks. They got almost nothing on the glass offensively. It was an offensive failure in this game. It was everything. It was three-point shooting, free-throw shooting, lack of um, juice on the glass. All that stuff rolled into one. No one was particularly awesome. You know, Murray was very good in the first half. Definitely cooled off. Trey got to his numbers in this game, but wasn't his best self, I didn't think. No one was particularly awesome other than maybe bogey off the bench on offense. And uh, in the end, it was pretty rough. So... Look, defensively, they had some moments that were rough, especially in the first few minutes of this game where they were kind of giving up a lot of easy stuff to the Magic. But the results on the whole were pretty good on offense, actually. A 109 defensive rating in any game this year has to be good enough for this Hawks team. I don't mean to be simple, too simple on this, and maybe it's not just this simple, but look, the Magic are not great on offense this year. That's worth noting, especially without Franz. But the Hawks just have to win games when they hold teams to this level of efficiency. And look, they were not perfect defensively in this game. They weren't. But when they actually get a reasonably competitive, solid performance on, on defense, especially for the last 50 minutes or so of this game after a tough start, they got to win that game, and they just didn't win it. So this is maybe the craziest stat of the night. Might be the three-point disparity in this one. The Magic came into the game in the bottom three of the NBA, three worst teams in the NBA, in three-pointers per game, three-point attempts, and three-point accuracy in terms of percentage. So they are one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the league. Orlando was 17 of 41. That's 42%. That's on big volume as well. That's not like you know crazy, outlier, ridiculous, other than Caleb Houston, who's a good shooter, They've been, who was left open a lot in this game. But the Magic making eight more threes than the Hawks and also shooting 12% better at the line from, from beyond the arc, I should say, in this game. Uh, that is a big swing in itself. So I mentioned free-throw shooting earlier. The other thing I would mention in this game would be that, that that disparity. And honestly, for the Hawks to give up a 109 defensive rating when the Magic shoot that well from three kind of tells you even more like they were pretty decent defensively in this game. It's maddening to come kind of come to that realization in real time or watching this game and watching the film back, look at the stats, all that stuff. Like the Hawks are supposed to win these games when they actually play decent defense. In this one, they did not do that. The only other real issue on the, on the defensive end of the floor in this game was allowing second chance points. They gave up a bunch, like 25-ish in this one. But other than that, they held them well below 50% on twos. They held them in 22 free throw attempts. They were pretty neutral on the turnover battle. Um, they won, they won the, point, the battle on the points of the paint that the Hawks in this game by a large margin. It just wasn't enough because in the end, the offense was just not good enough. And I don't, I don't mean to like repeat myself, but that is a takeaway for me. Yes, we will talk later on in this game about the rotation choices and the lineup choices because as a sort of a forecast for later on in the podcast, I did not like at all that the Hawks closed with Capella and close without a Kongu. Sorry, close without a Kongu and also without Bogdanovich on the floor down the stretch. And yes, teams are 
often going to do that. A lot of a lot of coaches go back to the starters as the default in overtime. Uh, teams don't usually sub in overtime for whatever reason, but I didn't love that, and that ended up costing them. I think um, you can't say that was like the reason they lost the game. It certainly was a factor in the game. I would say, and uh, you know, coaching shenanigans or questionable stuff. Uh, I've said Quinn's a pretty good coach for a long time, and I still believe that, but I, don't, I didn't love this performance from him on the whole. Execution issues, uh, offensive issues, defensive issues on some level, and uh, in the end, another close game. The Hawks lose. And that is the story of the year. Actually, the Hawks have been pretty decent on on the whole when it comes to road games. They're 9-12. and Most teams would take 9-12 and on the road. The other issues is they've been really bad at home, and they cannot win a close game, and that all came to roost in this one. So, We'll have more, de- more detail coming up on this podcast, as I always do. And uh, if you're a new listener, welcome aboard. We'll dive in now to kind of what transpired nuts and bolts-wise. At the end of the podcast, we'll get into the players and how they all fared individually in this game. But I will leave you this before, before we get to, get to a break on today's podcast. Offensively, it was a failure, and this team cannot afford offensive failures with the way that they're constructed, and that is why they lost this contest. All right, we'll have more coming up. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show. Today's show is brought to you by Game Time. If you ever had to worry about buy tickets for a big event, you never have to worry again because Game Time is here for you. They had you covered with last minute deals on tickets or football or basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater. They have it all at Game Time. It's also really easy to navigate and find the best tickets for any event in your area with the Game Time app. They are obsessed in a good way with finding you ways to save money on your tickets. They have zone deals, for instance, with an 80% average savings. And Game Time also gives you the view for the seats in the venue that you're actually looking for, so you can know exactly what to expect when you arrive at that venue. They have all-in pricing at Game Time as well, so you know your totals up front without any of the hidden fees some other places happen to have. And they give you peace of mind with Game Time, which is huge, of course. And the guarantee of Game Time means that you will always get the best, the best possible price. Take all of the guesswork out of buying tickets right now by using the Game Time app. Download the app right now at Game Time. Create an account. Use promo code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase with Game Time. Terms apply. Again, create an account. Reading promo code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. All right, let us dig into what transpired in this one. And at the outset, it was really rough for the Hawks, actually. If you want to point to something other than the offensive failures in the second half, you can certainly circle the first few minutes of this game because the Hawks were down by a margin of 19-5 to at the outset. Atlanta did not score on their first six possessions of the game. They were one of eight from the floor at the outset with a turnover. The shot quality was not atrocious. If you watch the game back, they just weren't making any shots at the outset. And defensively, I thought it actually was worse in the early going, which is kind of funny after what I talked about earlier, but I thought in the first five, six minutes, the defense was really bad. Um, they were really struggling to contain the ball, as that's been a problem all year, and really for the last two or three years from this team, is the, the perimeter resistance has been really rough. It didn't help that the Magic were hot from three in the first quarter, but that was uh, also some good looks for Orlando. Uh, rotationally, a little bit of a weird setup because it was nine guys who played for the Hawks in this game, but only eight of them were really in the rotation. Um, for one thing, Bogey and Okongwu played uh, a lot of minutes until the end, um, which we'll come back to in a second, of course. But they played a lot of the two-center lineup, which actually worked out pretty well. The capella Okongwu lineups were pretty effective defensively. Okongwu allows him to kind of switch a little bit more on the perimeter. He had a really good rep defensively in space early on when he was switched onto a guard, and he could obviously do that. Um, more on that later. Uh, Garrison Matthews was the eighth man for the Hawks. He played only two minutes, though, and then actually suffered an injury. He blocked Marco Fultz's shot at the rim, and then when he landed, he sprained his ankle uh, and was clearly in pretty agonizing pain. Um, went to the locker room pretty quickly. Um, the Hawks, of course, called that a left ankle sprain, and he was ruled out pretty quickly. It did look like, like a super mild one, so hopefully he's not out too long, but that, that was kind of a, a changer in terms of the rotation. And they went to West Matthews for about nine minutes, 
actually ended up being plus 11 in this game, not really because of him, but uh, he had not played for the Hawks since actually about Christmas Day, the day after Christmas, I should say. So uh, notable there, but a short group in this game. The Hawks were obviously pushing to win this one um, with their minutes that they, that they played, guys, but um, not quite enough, of course, in the end. But they finally kind of woke up mid-quarter by getting to the rim repeatedly in the first half. A 9-0 run, um, they got four stops in a row. They also made 10 shots in a row, and they were all, I think, really close to the rim at that point. They got downhill a few times with DeJounte and with Sadiq Bey. Uh, they were down only, only by four points in the first quarter, despite some poor free throw shooting, as that was the key all year, all night long. But they got actually with a lead early in the second quarter after nine, a 9-2 run. Um, Quinn did have what I thought was a pretty awful challenge on a foul call against Wes Matthews. I, it wasn't a huge contact play, but very, very low leverage, just a weird... Bad process challenge. Again, this is part of the why I didn't love Quinn in this game necessarily in his performance. That was a, you know, not a huge play, but that's a challenge that you could probably use later on. And in fact, they could have used it later on at one point, at least one point, and uh, they didn't have it to give. So that was a, a weird one. Again, they played the two turn a few different times. Conway had a couple of uh, nice moments in the second quarter. He had a, his first three in about two weeks um, in the corner. Uh, Jalen got called for a very questionable charging foul late in the first half that a Quinn could have challenged, but he didn't have the challenge remaining. Also Jalen reacted in a big way and got a technical foul. Quinn was also pretty going nuts on the bench. Uh, it was a bad call for sure, but again, no challenge. Couldn't really overturn that. And it was Jalen's third foul. So not great there. Uh, there was a big run though, late in the first half from the Hawks, 11 0 again, more attacking the rim. I thought Murray was really good attacking the rim at, at that point. Trey got a three point play going to the rim and they were up by nine after being down 19 to five. So the rest of the first half, was 55 to 32. And they shot the ball well across the first half. Six turnovers. DeJounte had 16 points in the first half. He played very well. Um, six of his seven shots that he made in the first half were actually at the rim. That cooled off like it did for a lot of guys after halftime. And they held the Magic in check defensively. So all that said, it was flipped back in their faces a little bit in the third quarter. A 14 to 5 push by the Magic immediately to tie the game. Um, also some settles on offense. A couple defensive mistakes, one by Sadiq Bey, just a bad moment on the first possession, actually, in the third quarter. Um, this is kind of the money stat in a lot of ways. I want to save it for now. Um, the Hawks came into the night with a minus 18.7 net rating in the third quarter since the start of December. So since the Hawks kind of had their downturn, um, some of that was without Jalen, of course, but minus 18 net rating in the third quarter over about five weeks of time. And tonight, it got worse because they got outscored 34-18 to 18 in the third quarter. The third quarter issues have been well-documented. I don't have an answer for you as to why it's happening. You know, people always want to point to lack of adjustments in the, in the, in the locker room. It's not always that. It's not that simple. But it is maddening, and, like, it will drive you crazy when you go into halftime with a nine-point lead, and it's just suddenly gone immediately. And they went, again, up nine going into halftime, down seven coming out of the third quarter. And... Uh, Again, it was really the offense. Defensively, it was not their best performance at all, I will say. But offensively in the third quarter, 18 points, 7-22 from the floor, 1-8 of eight from three, five turnovers. So, like, not to go back to the well again, it was really the offense throughout. And again, the third quarter was not their best, certainly, defensively. But they got better in the fourth, and the offense was a little bit better in the fourth, but still not what you want. Uh, speaking of the fourth quarter. Bogey had a couple jump shots to kind of get them back in, in touch. He also got his fifth foul with like 11 minutes to go, and they stayed with him for a while, which is interesting to me because they treated him like he was going to kind of maybe close the game because he played so long with that, with that fifth foul, and then he came out and never returned. Odd. Akongwu had a huge block in the middle of the quarter. Ty, by, by the way, Ty's career high with five blocks in this game 
in 32 minutes of action. Some of that was at the four, but still. Um, the Magic won a, actually won a pretty big challenge, I thought, to take free throws away from Bay in the middle of the uh, fourth quarter. And they did actually get a stop. The Hawks did after that. But a tough break after that, uh, a play that I will remember, maybe people have probably forgotten by now, but the Hawks got a stop in a close game mid-fourth mid quarter um, on a terrible shot by Ben Caro. And it ends up bouncing off the rim, bouncing up off the backboard, off the top of the backboard. Uh, Akongwu was the guy who contested the shot, so he's way he's far away. He was he was the center on the floor at the time. But Tadze from the Magic pretty clearly shoves Jalen Johnson in the back, gets the rebound, kicks it out for a three, and that ends up being like a five point swing. So notable to me. Anyway, uh, Hawks were down by seven with about four minutes to go, and they went back to Capella. Uh, Akongwu had played almost fifteen minutes in a row which is my defense for having a Kongwu uh, come out in the first place. Now, I didn't mind that. However, I said this in real time, so this is not like revisionist history. I said this in real time on Twitter. I didn't mind taking him out. I might have not putting him back in. That was my issue. Because, yeah, it would have been a tough ask to have a Kongwu. Essentially, what ended up, especially with overtime, he would have had to play like 23 minutes in a row, which wasn't going to happen. But you can have a guy come out, come out for two minutes and come back in. That, that was, that's more of an issue. Now... On the other side, when Congo came out, they were down by seven, and they ended up closing the game and being tied in regulation. So it quote unquote worked in regulation. It didn't work in overtime. But even then, if you watch the process, it wasn't because of the center play. Um, look, the story I thought actually until the very very end when they ended up coming back was missed opportunities in the fourth quarter. I know they closed the margin, but I, and sort of in my notes here, it wasn't just the free throws. They missed a lot of free throws. Jalen missed an open corner three that he makes probably a lot of the time. Capella missed a terrible layup, but he tried to reverse for some reason. A really bad play by Clint. Um, they just missed. They missed a lot of chances in the last five minutes of, of the fourth quarter. But Dejounte got to the line for a three-point play with about a minute, about, about a minute twenty to go. It cut it down to one. Um, they actually though had a breakdown after that. Trey, who actually had some nice defensive moments in this game, had a very, very, very bad mistake helping off a strong side corner to allow Houston, who had been red hot for Orlando, to take a wide open. I mean, I'm talking about wide open three. From the corner that he made. So that was a letdown. That led to a must-score possession on offense, where Trey actually got to the got to the rim, I should say, for a layup to cut the lead from four to two. And then they got a turnover. Unfortunately, uh Trey and, and then sort of in, in transition, they kind of you know got got out there. And I, I should say fortunately, Trey threw a great pass to Jalen across the court, swung it to Bay for a cutting dunk. I kind of laughed because Jalen, I thought, kind of hesitated. When he was open for a three, they probably should have taken. But it worked out beautifully. He found Bay for a dunk to tie the game. Shot clock off, though. Orlando had a chance to win it. I actually thought Trey did a really good job helping on Paolo on that on that last play. They did get a shot up for Caleb Houston. Did Orlando at the very end, but it was contested. A pretty difficult look. He misses it. And Capella's there to clean up the rebound. And they get out of there um, going to overtime. So, again, the Hawks were down by six points with like a minute 50 to go. And down by four points in the final minute. And ended up forcing regulation. Usually, that's a pretty good vibes thing to close like that. Uh, unfortunately, that goodwill is uh, is now long gone for Atlanta. So, in overtime, shortly, is kind of a short story here. They forced a shot clock violation on the first possession of overtime, which is usually a good sign. But then the offense went into punt mode. Empty trip, empty trip. Capella gets fouled, misses both. A smart foul by Cole Anthony, who uh, could have given up a layup to a Capella. Um, but didn't, and that saved them two points. Then the Magic did a go up by six points. Trey had a big three to cut the lead in half, give them, a, give them a chance. And then Trey actually had a good defensive play on Cole Anthony, blocking a shot, but then he lost the ball in transition, which is kind of a bad beat in that in that way. And that ended up being a resulting in a play coming downhill by the Magic going the other way, 
where Boncaro gets called for a charge in real time with Capella drawing it, but it's overturned on a challenge. So, not to overdo challenges, but Quinn used his as a, on a bad one that he lost earlier in the game, and Orlando won both of theirs, and both of theirs were huge plays. The one on Bay to take free throws away in the fourth quarter, and then the one to overturn what was going to be a charge into a, not free throws, but they actually scored a few minutes later. So it was a huge, huge, huge swing. And there you go. Uh, the last thing that I will at least mention in depth was that the Hawks were down five. They were probably going to lose anyway, but they had this terrible possession where it ended up being DeJounte and Capella essentially staying next to each other in the corner, like kind of buried with no space to operate. Uh, Capella's not the guy you want out there regardless, but I don't even know how that happened. Like I've watched the play three times. It was just a terrible process play to even get in that position. And the Capella uh, and Murray kind of combined to turn the ball over and rough stuff there. They did get a stop, so it wasn't totally over, but then Murray missed the layup in transition, and that was the end of that. So even then, the Hawks were down by five, um, and again, probably dead, but they bungled the next possession. They actually should have fouled right away, I thought, but if you were not going to foul, you definitely can't foul. But instead, they didn't foul. They waited 17 seconds and then fouled anyway. So it was kind of a microcosm of what the game had happened to that point in time. So I know I'm rambling, but the late game issues, it was uh, it was messy. You know, kudos to them on some level for closing the game of regulation and getting into overtime in the first place. But just to put it plainly, they scored five points in the five minute overtime period. Uh, you know, for an offensive first team, you can't get away with that. So I give all the, I give all the numbers earlier. I gave all the blow by blow here, but uh, certainly. I would say it was deeply unsatisfying <laughs> to watch. Uh, Hawks fans, I, you know, I, I get it. Uh, part of my job is to be level-headed and give you the analysis that I believe. Um, but even some of that, like, it's hard to, you know, give you the level-headed analysis. Even though I'm going to do that, I'm still trying to do that now. But I know, for a fact, no one wants to hear it. And I totally get it. So, uh, we'll get into kind of all what transpired there. I did talk about this a little bit before, but I'll just kind of leave this here now. Um, we'll talk more in a second about the rotation stuff when we get to the player-by-player -player stuff. I'll kind of I'll put that in that segment coming up, but I promise I won't forget to talk about all of that. But forget that, though. I promise you I will get to that. But first, I work more sponsors on the show today. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. The NFL season is now over in the regular season, but there's still time to get on the action with the playoffs looming, and the place to do that is FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, if you're a new customer, get 150 in bonus bets. Guaranteed when you place a $5 bet at FanDuel, that's 150 bucks in your pocket or in bonus bets, win or lose. FanDuel Sportsbook app is so easy to use, There's, and there are actually so many different ways to bet at FanDuel. They have live same-game parlays. You can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, and that's the best place and the best way to find new popular parlays at FanDuel. Also find the, all the bets that you want to at the new Explore tab at FanDuel, and they have all the old standards as well, point spreads, over-unders, money lines, player props, future bets, and much more. The app is safe and secure. I cover the whole range of sports, the NFL, college football, NBA, MLB, when that's in season, WNBA, college basketball, golf, tennis, you get the drill. They have all the sports that you're looking for at FanDuel, and they have all the Hawk stuff as well, from game lines to player props, futures, all that fun stuff is at FanDuel. And, and now is an awesome time to chat with the folks at FanDuel Sportsbook. And the place to go is FanDuel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup with FanDuel. One more time, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel official partner of the NFL. All right, let us dive in now to the bench first, and we'll talk about kind of some of my qualms with the rotational decisions in this game. Uh, first, I had no issue with Garrison Matthews playing. He, of course, got hurt. Hopefully he's okay. Wes Matthews, Wes Matthews was totally fine in his nine minutes of play. Didn't take a shot, but played good defense. I actually drew a charge at one point. Played fine. Um, no issues there whatsoever. A lot of times, just people kind of ask me why they went to Wes. Uh, coaches like to have um, 
game plan certainty would be what I would say. I'm not saying that's the right decision, but I think that coaches, when you when you get an injury, and obviously they, I think they planned to play eight guys, and it was going to be the seven, the seven guys who played the most, and then Garrison, and then I, I don't think they, they probably prepared guys like Seth Lundy or AJ Griffin, whatever you want to say, as much, and West Matthews will just go out there and execute. I'm not saying that's that's right, but that's probably what happened. So the qualms come in here. Bogey and Akongwu were both good in this game. And, you know, plus minus is not everything. I'll be the first to say that. In fact, it's often misleading, but it wasn't in this game. The Hawks had the edge with the bench, and they did not have the edge with the starters in this game. Bogdanovich was plus 13 in his 26 minutes. He was the only guy on the team other than Bay who actually made a three late, I believe, to get to this number of change. But he was 4 of 9 from three. Only guy who was uh, making more than two threes in this game for the Hawks. Um, he had 18 points. Four steals for Bogey, actually. Oddly, had five fouls, but he was aggressive. He was springy in this game, made his shots. And uh, I, I I genuinely think that Bogey is one of their best players, and he should play a lot of crunch time, and he didn't play in this game. And I didn't love that. Um, that was less of a concern for me than the center decision, but I think that Bogey should have played. I said that in real time as well. I don't know if you go to him over Bay. I don't know. What you, I, get, I get the challenges there. That is one of the inherent challenges with this roster is that it's tough to pull DeJounte off the court for Bogey just because of the way the NBA works. But if you don't do that, that means you have to put Bogey in with Trey and DeJounte, and then defensively, look, Bay's not good defensively at all, but he is bigger and more physical than Bogey. So I get why that would be a, a trade-off that you don't want to make, but I would have tried to close with Bogey. Honestly, that there. Uh, the other one is the Kongwu. So we'll talk about Capella and Kongwu back-to-back here uh, and kind of group them together. Um, Capella, 36 minutes, 4 points, 12 rebounds, 3 steals and 2 blocks, um, I think defensively, Clint was fine in this game. Uh, offensively, he was not, which is not a huge surprise. Um, there are, it gets to be kind of silly in some respects, the conversation about, about Capella sometimes, where because he's not a bad basketball player. People talk about that all. I get that. The reactions are emotional in real time, but Clint was very bad at the end of this game. I'm not arguing that. I, you know, people know that I have uh, appreciation for Capella's game. I was actively arguing in the fourth quarter, before crunch time even, that they should go back to Okongwu. So, Okongwu was better in this game. He's a better matchup in this game. Uh, overtime, Clint had the bad miss layup. Like, it is what it is. I would have closed with Okongwu. I said that as much. I don't think Clint was terrible overall in the game. I think he was pretty bad in crunch time, and I think offensively he didn't give them any, really much of anything in this game. So, I'll leave it there for now. Okongwu, uh, I think it's an interesting game because, like, he had five points in 32 minutes. He took three shots. Like, it was, a, it was a low usage, low volume offensive game for the centers in general. But the way that Orlando was playing it, they were kind of giving the Hawks, not necessarily giving, but when the drives were happening for Trey and DeJounte in particular, they were shooting on the drives, which is okay. That was kind of the right decision most of the time. In the first half, when the Hawks actually got the big run on offense, it was because they were attacking and finishing at the rim. After that, um, Orlando's good defensively, and I think that they were kind of cutting off the easy drop-off passes that you know Capella needs, and Kongwu certainly helps to feast on. He made a three in this game, uh, but I think just defensively he was better than Capella. Like I think the mobility, the you know the five blocks are what the five blocks are, and you know, Clint had five stocks too, just not five blocks. Um, three assists, or six rebounds. Kongwu just gave them more versatility. Uh, and look, it's kind of weird to be arguing for more more Kongu playing time when he played 32 minutes. That's way more than he normally plays because he played so much at the four in this game, which I liked. I've kind of been saying the last couple of weeks, since Jalen came back, they kind of went away from the two-center lineup almost entirely. I would not do that. 
they actually flashed the Jalen plus a Kongwu plus Capella out for a few minutes in this game. I would try that more probably on defense. But I think Kongwu was pretty good in this game, and I would like to see what would happen if he had closed. So, and look, that isn't a situation where it's like, you have to start a Kongwu. No, it's, it's more that, and I've said this before, there's flexibility there that I think Quinn just didn't exercise in this game. Uh, he has done this in the past. He has he has closed with the Kongwu over Capella, and rightly so at times. It's not like he's never done this. It's not like an auto-sub where you have to go back to Capella. But I would have closed with the Kongwu, and I think part of the luxury or positive thing that you have is that you have a backup center that's a very, very good backup center, and sometimes he's just better than, than the starter on that night. And that's fine. Or better matchup, or whatever you want to do, and, and, it's, and it's flowing better. So um, I didn't love it. You know, I'm not fire of the coach guy. Like, people are turning on Quinn, and I, I kind of get that because they're losing, but... I thought it was a rough night for Quinn on, on the whole, and that was probably the easiest way to kind of convey that. I did not love the substitution pattern at the end of the game, just kind of going blindly with the starters the entire overtime period. Not what I would have done. Um, all right, from there, Bay was okay. 15.7 rebounds in 38 minutes, 2-4 uh, from 3. He was all right. Defensively, I don't want to rehash all of it again, but Sadiq is just really struggling defensively. Um not anything new here. If you listen to my podcast last year, I was saying it before when anybody was. When he was shooting the heck out of the ball last year, nobody really minded, which I understand. But when he's kind of predictably regressed some, and I think he's actually a better shooter than he's been so far this year, but his defense has been really rough. Um, offensively, though, he helped them. Uh, Jalen, not his best night. I thought in the first half he was kind of sluggish, had a really kind of tough start for the first quarter and a half. Picked it up after that. 12 points, 11 rebounds, 4 assists. Um, fouled out. It was actually a game worse minus 20. I'm not sure that was because of Jalen, but uh, 0-4 from three. And I think he kind of lost comments a little bit late. I, I kind of made fun of it earlier, but he got a wide-open three-point attempt that he could have just taken for the for the lead in the end of regulation, and he passed it to Bay kind of passively. And again, it worked out. I'm not picking on that one play, but I think that it was kind of not his best offensive game, I would say. And then Trey and DeJounte. So Murray ends up with 24 points in 40 minutes. He got to the line 10 times, which is good. Well, missed, missed four of them. Uh, 9 of 18 on twos, 0 of 2 on threes. Last few games, DeJounte has just not been passing the ball very much. I should have pulled the passing stats. Two assists in this game. Um, he's been shooting the ball effectively in first halves most of the year. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I got yelled out a little bit for pointing out the first half, second half splits recently. This is another game where he had a really good first half and a not-so-good second half, and that's been happening more often than not this year, unfortunately. But he had 24 points. It was relatively efficient, just not his best like floor game, it wasn't quite as glaring as the game on Friday when at one point I think he had 24-0-0-0-0 on his stat line. It was more than that in this game. He was a little bit more invested, but defensively in the first half, not the best. Uh, okay, Trey, it's kind of weird to say again, 31-9 for Trey. I don't think he was fantastic at all in this one. Like I think he was fine. He was only 2-9 from 3, and actually Trey's 3-point shot has uh, gone cold in 2024. In the three games since the calendar flipped to January, he's actually 5 of 29 from three. And he's probably due for that. He was really hot for like most of December, so that's probably going to happen. But, um, you know, his three-point shooting was a little bit rough. Again, the only guy who really shot well in this game from three was Bogey, and he didn't play at the end, <laughs> so there's that. Um, but, yeah, Trey was Trey was fine. He wasn't great. Jalen Suggs bothered him a little bit, it seemed. And, by the way, Jalen Suggs is maybe the best defensive guard in basketball. He's certainly one of the top three or four. He's really, really good, so that's, there's no shame in that. But uh, once Suggs was gone, it was a little bit easier for Trey. He fouled out in this game in the fourth quarter, did Suggs. But, um, yeah, not his best, not his worst. He actually the best plus minus of the starters. And I think my friend Kevin Chenard said this, but it's true. The best minutes in this game for the Hawks were when they were playing Trey, Bogey, and Okonwu. And, obviously, two of those three guys did not play at all down the stretch. And that's a good place to end the podcast. So, a rough loss. 
another one on the agenda. There's been lots of talk over the weekend. Uh, if you missed it, I, I did a trade focus episode on Friday, and I did even more trade stuff on the show after the game on Friday. That whirlwind is still happening. There's about a month to go before the deadline. Um, that's going to be a theme now for the next month. The Hawks are firmly in the middle of all these trade conversations. That's not going to stop anytime soon, especially if they keep losing like this. Um, Murray, Capella, Hunter, whoever else is going to be out there in trade talks, it's going to be happening the entire time. It's going to loom. We'll talk, we'll, talk, we'll talk about all of that stuff, but um, yeah, that's not going anyway. Let's just say we'll have more on that, I promise you. But yeah, please rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. I would certainly appreciate all the new listeners that we might be getting, but please share it with folks that you might know in your life that might be interested in a Hawks podcast on a daily basis. I'll be back with the next podcast later on this week. The Hawks have a five-game homestand coming up beginning on Wednesday. Usually, you rejoice in that. I know the Hawks this year are 5-9 and nine at home, so nobody's going to be quite as happy. But five in a row at State Farm Arena, Wednesday against Philadelphia is the hardest of those games because Philly is obviously quite good. And then they have, uh, I believe it's a three-game in four-night stretch over the weekend before they, uh, over, over MLK weekend at home. So uh, stay tuned for all of that. But anyway, I'll have a show between now and then, probably late Monday night into Tuesday. Stay tuned for that. I uh, best, The best place to find the podcast always is to subscribe to the show anywhere you get your podcast. But I will have at least one episode between now and the game on Wednesday, so please stay tuned for that. Tell a friend about the podcast. Follow the show on Twitter if you want to, at LockedOnHawks, or follow me there at BT Roland. Also, write about the Hawks at patreon.com slash BT Roland. That is my first and middle initial, followed by my last name. So check that out as well. And uh, yes, thank you for listening to the podcast, everybody. I know it takes dedication to get to the end of the podcast after a bad loss, and I appreciate everybody listening to the show. As always, without any further delay, we will get out of here, and we'll see you all next time.